It's Thursday, May 11, 2023. Sounds futuristic. Time flies. I'm Jonathan Shirk, and this is Small Town Theologian, a study of comforting biblical truths from a confessional reform perspective. From my walk-in closet in Mannheim, PA, to you, grace, mercy, and peace. And may God grow your faith through His gracious and effectual means. Please consider leaving a review and rating the show. Let's get into it. Let's say it's a beautiful day outside and you're taking a stroll in the park. You study your shadow and you notice just how much it looks like you. It's an image of you. It's connected to you. You start to run and it follows you. It does what you do. Your shadow is affixed to you. Your shadow cannot be detached from you unless you're Peter Pan. Keith Matheson uses this helpful illustration in his little book titled The Lord's Supper to explain the spiritual presence of Christ in the bread and wine of the supper. Matheson writes, quote, the signs are the shadows of the heavenly reality, but the shadows are tied to the reality in the same way that the shadow of an object is inseparably tied to the object that casts the shadow, end quote. Are you following the the analogy? Uh, The bread and wine of the supper are signs and seals distinct from the reality of Christ and the benefits of redemption, but also inseparably connected to Christ and the benefits of his redemption, uh, redemption, like a shadow is inseparably connected to you on a beautiful day. Matheson continues, quote, there is then a connection between what is found on earth during the observance of the sacraments and what is found in heaven. When a a Christian partakes in faith of the bread and wine on earth. He partakes of the body and blood of Christ in the heavenly dimension, end quote. This is certainly a mystery, and this is what Westminster Larger Catechism 163 explains. It says, quote, what are the parts of a sacrament? The parts of a sacrament are two. The one, an outward and sensible sign used according to Christ's own appointment. The other, an inward and spiritual grace thereby signified, end quote. So like your shadow in the park, the bread and wine of the supper are things you see with your eyes that are inseparably connected with an inward and spiritual grace. The shadow of the bread and wine are pictures of the grace you receive from Christ by faith. The physical is inseparably connected with the spiritual in the Lord's Supper. So there is something spiritual that we receive from Christ when we receive the supper he serves us. We'll pick up where we left off in Belgic Confession, Article 35, and we'll finish it today. Article 35 continues, quote, Moreover, though the sacraments and the things signified are joined together, not all receive both of them. The wicked person certainly takes the sacrament to his condemnation, but does not receive the truth of the sacrament, just as Judas and Simon the sorcerer both indeed received the sacrament, but not Christ who was signified by it. He is communicated only to believers, end quote. So though the sign and seal are inseparably connected from the reality, not everyone who eats and drinks receives the reality or the benefits of the gospel. See, a person must eat and drink by true faith to receive the benefits of Christ. No faith, no benefit. Understand what happens when an unbeliever or hypocrite consumes the supper. That person consumes bread and wine, but not God's grace. 
Instead, they consume God's just condemnation. They receive the sign and seal, but they do not receive Christ. Christ is given for the nourishment and refreshment of believers and not anyone else. This is why your minister and elders should never knowingly serve the Lord's Supper to unbelievers and people who confess Christ but refuse to repent of their sins. With God's righteous judgment in mind, you can understand why Paul wrote what he did to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11. Ministers and elders have a responsibility before God regarding who they serve, but the individual receiving the supper from Christ also has a responsibility. All participants with Christ at his table must examine themselves and rightly judge themselves or else they will welcome God's judgment. The Belgic continues, quote, Finally, with humility and reverence, we receive the Holy Sacrament in the gathering of God's people as we engage together with thanksgiving in a holy remembrance of the death of Christ our Savior, and as we thus confess our faith and Christian religion. Therefore, no one should come to this table without examining himself carefully, lest by eating this bread and drinking this cup he eat and drink to his own judgment." End quote. Note several things there. there uh, these, these are really good things to think about. First, we must receive the sacrament with humility and reverence. That's the right spirit. Second, we receive the sacrament in the gathering of God's people. It's not an individual meal. It's a communal, corporate, and family meal. For a person to eat and drink alone at home or for a bride and groom to eat and drink together at their wedding when everyone else watches contradicts the very nature and significance of the supper. Third, we engage in the supper together with thankfulness to God. Fourth, we eat and drink to remember the death of Christ our Savior. Fifth, we engage in the supper to confess our faith in Christian religion. This is why ministers and elders need to know a little something about what people believe and confess before they serve them the supper. This is also one reason church membership is essential. We confess the Christian faith in community with the body of Christ. We need to believe and confess in community with accountability from other believers. It's a protection. Sixth, we should not come to Christ's table without examining ourselves carefully as Paul instructs. Each of these six things is worthy of careful reflection. Article 35 continues, quote, In short, by the use of this holy sacrament, we are moved to a fervent love of God and our neighbors. Therefore, we reject as desecrations of the sacraments all the muddled ideas and damnable inventions that men have added and mixed in with them. And we say, excuse me, that we should be content with the procedure that Christ and the apostles have taught us and speak of these things as they have spoken of them. Please don't miss that one sentence. It's really important. In short, by the use of this holy sacrament, we are moved to a fervent love of God and our neighbors. Bam! There it is. This is where the memorial view of the Lord's Supper falls drastically short. In the memorial view, all that's happening is our remembering. Christ is doing nothing for us. The reform view is much more faithful to Scripture. Christ is doing something for us in the supper as we participate and commune with Him. What's He doing? Not only is the Holy Spirit giving us Christ and spiritually nourishing and strengthening our souls with Christ's true body and true blood, but the Spirit is also producing love in us for God and one another. He is 
is further uniting us in love. Along with consuming God's Word read and preached in our public assemblies, we consume the Lord's Supper in order to have the strength to love God and one another. Just as bread and wine are eaten for the strength of your physical body, you must eat and drink the body and blood of Christ spiritually by faith in order to have the soul strength to love God and one another. Shared experiences tend to bond people together. Go on a trip with someone where you spend a lot of time with them and share various experiences and you feel more bonded to them. Eating and drinking at the Lord's table together as a family is a regular shared experience that unites us more and more to Christ and one another. To neglect the sacraments in the visible church is to cut yourself off from Christ. Christ's people and the grace and love Christ intends to give his people to neglect your local church and the sacraments is spiritually dangerous. So don't neglect them. Run to your local church to receive the marvelous grace Christ has for you. Receive it and then love. Receive God's grace in the preached word and sacraments and by the spirit, by the strength Christ gives you, love God in your neighbor, which of course is explained in the Ten Commandments. Grace and peace to you. I have an idea for you. What do pastors and oftentimes elders have on their bookshelves? Well, works of theology. And maybe your elders and pastors do not have a copy of the Heidelberg Catechism in their libraries. So would you consider buying a couple copies and giving them away as gifts to your elders as a thanks for shepherding your soul? Give it a try. 